and we're live. So thanks a bunch for thanks a bunch for coming back to uh, Coaches Collective. This is episode number seven, um, guys. We're at one hundred percent manpower, but we got everybody here. It's it's freaking awesome. All hands on deck. Uh, About to break the a- internet. <laughs> and uh, I want I really want to give a really warm welcome to Tim Heron. Tim, thanks a bunch for coming on tonight. Dude, Dude that's for, amazing. Thanks, thanks for like I guess finding it, I guess <laughs> scheduling a time that I could actually make it. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> so, should we go around the horn to see what projects we have, or should we just dive right into the first question? Oh, let's dive. Let's Wait, you dive. guys have projects. Um, <laughs> so let's see. Uh, we got some some comments coming in as well. And let's go ahead and get to our first question. What makes a good or a bad instructor? Instrument Tim's ball. the guest to honor. Tim's the guest to honor. Tim goes first. Oh, come on. I just... <sighs> hey, you want to skip all the episodes. You're You're in the hot seat, pal. Okay. All right. I like Tyler's thought there. Just Instagram followers. That's it. That's what makes a great instructor. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, well, I guess I, I guess I do have an, an idea or an understanding of what I believe makes a great instructor. I think, I mean, it, it starts first and foremost with somebody that can convey information um, and can like has the ability to build a rapport with a, uh, with a student or client. So, I mean, there's a lot of people that are knowledgeable, but don't, you know, that, but lack the, lack the thought process to be able to convey that information to somebody. Um, it's kind of, it goes back to the same thing as like, you know, well, somebody that could be, let's say a grandmaster, you know, a shooter, you know, that may not have the best way of being able to like, to be able to give information to uh, a student versus somebody that might be a, a lesser, maybe a lesser overall skilled uh, shooter, but has a, an impeccable way of, uh, of being able to convey or, or transfer knowledge or information to people. I would much rather uh, B than A, you know, I'd much rather the, the, the second option there. Um, I think that's what makes a overall a, a good instructor, not only just somebody that can convey information, but also somebody that has a, a hunger or a thirst for uh, that information or knowledge themselves as well. I mean, they constantly seek out more training. They constantly seek out uh, information from peers um, as well as like peer review. You know, I mean, like we do I think a lot, you know, kind of in our own kind of private chats and things like that, we're constantly, you know, kind of putting ourselves under kind of scrutiny with each other, which I think is a good thing. Um, there's also a lot of things that we don't necessarily always 100% agree on. And it's great that we can have those disagreements, but at the same time, like agree to disagree, you know, I mean, it, there should not be like an echo chamber of just one way of doing things. I think it's, it, it's, it's well, it should be well-rounded. And there's it, like everybody has come from a different, like a, like a different place. You know, um, we're all trying to to get to the same, you know, overall to the same end of the journey, <clears throat> you know, the same destination. But like the, our each individual journey to get to that destination is different. I think that's I think it's a good thing. 
So, and like Gump would say, that's about all I've got to say about that. <laughs> I think Tyler should be up next. He's always getting stuck last. I agree. <laughs> all right. Um, I ain't going to say what makes a bad instructor. Um, I'll just say what makes a good one. Every student you come across is going to be somewhere on their own path, right? And it, it is not unlike yours or someone else's, but you got to understand they are at a different milestone or they're at a different uh, part of it. And they have different outliers in life that have some sort of influence on that as well. They grew up in a different type of environment than you did. Most likely they come from a different area. They have different, different types of friends, most likely listen to different music. Their communication is going to be different. All of these things that make this person unique, you must be sensitive to and understanding so that you can cater what you're trying to teach them in such a way that they can understand it and apply it. And the cherry on top would be even uh, teaching them in such a way that they can start recognizing what they're doing wrong and how to fix it. Now, times that by 10 to 15, however many students in your class, you have to be able to do that for each one, all while keeping the general train of instruction in class on its track, not allowing it to get too diverted one way or the other with one specific student or anything like that. So the what makes a good instructor is the ability to meet everyone in their class exactly where they are with a palatable uh, instruction for that person. So okay, I mean, I have to ask because part of the other the other part of that question, right? What makes a good slash bad instructor? So I think, like you know, we're we're two for two for now uh, between myself and Tyler as far as like what we believe makes a good instructor. Tyler, if you if I may, why do you not want to expound on what makes a bad instructor? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I. I mean, I can if I'm... I I would I would like to and maybe just kind of open up the floor for for some discussion. I think I think personally what makes or what can make a bad instructor is somebody that lacks um, kind of the self-awareness to to kind of dive into a topic and then tends to just repeat or parrot information without an actual understanding of something. To me personally, I think that I don't want to say that makes you necessarily a terrible instructor, but that can make for some bad instruction or or bad instructor, bad instructorship. Typically, I would umbrella bad instructors as this one thing, and that is being a slave to their own ego. That's a great one, too. That's a great one, too. Stole my thunder, yo. You're welcome. <laughs> no, he didn't. He didn't steal anything. He just segued into Mr. Bean. Yeah, give us, uh, give it, give us your input. Well, and I, I won't say that this is purely indicative of, of a bad instructor, but I will say it's something to watch out for if you're seeking quality instruction. And and I think most of you guys, especially, have have heard me ask this question, but I think it boils down to the individual instructor being able to ask themselves, "Whom do you serve? Are you there to serve your own ego?" 
or are you there to help your clients? Uh, there's a couple things that I find as indicators for that. Uh, one being people that cannot or refuse to debate their methods or talk about their methods or why they do things the way they do. Um, if they're purely self-serving or driven from, you know, what they've seen over time, bringing them value and not necessarily conceptually what will bring more people value. Uh, that's one. Uh, one thing I really watch out for is just egocentric behavior. And this is probably going to light the, the internet on fire, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, especially in the realm of social media, when, when you see people that kind of either make sure every picture they have is either of them performing at a, a very high level, every video they have performing at a very high level, uh, instructor shirts, big glaring, I'm in charge here kind of clothing when they're not required to do so for their job. Uh, that's one thing. Uh, if you work at a range that requires that from an identification standpoint, not doesn't really bother me so much. But when there's no real reason for it, other than to differentiate yourself from the people you're trying to guide, I uh, have an issue with that. Uh, another thing is, is people that feel the innate need to put instructor in their Facebook profile, like their personal profile, um, and why those things kind of bother me. Um, not inherently saying it's negative, but it screams insecurity to me. And it, and it screams that they're trying to validate themselves and not their product be the validation. Uh, and those kind of things just, I see it kind of a mile away because I believe one of the best qualities of an instructor would be the shed of ego. Because the people we're trying to help come first. So if, if any kind of behaviors that put those things in front of our clients, that's a really big indicator for me that that person's not looking out for the best interest of the people that they're trying to help. They're looking out for their own interests. Uh, and that, that just bugs me. So that's my first one. Oh, yeah, Riley, I agree. He said, he said, dudes that wear their own T-shirts, I was like, wait, come on, man. I didn't I'm say like, wear their own T-shirts because I wear their T-shirts too, Tim. <laughs> when a guy's whole brand is Tim Heron shooting. Right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that is not what I meant. <laughs> no, that's great. Unfortunately... So, so I, I get that I can see that honestly being kind of a, a double-edged sword, right? I see that as, I don't know, I guess if you, if you split it into pro and con, I could see that as being a con, right? You know, something that, that might scream insecurity at the same time. Um, I'm this, this is my full-time profession, right? So it, it's like, as far as uh, like, maybe people on my personal page. And I, I have a really, really hard time like delineating my personal page from my Tim Heron shooting professional page. They tend to, to interweave a lot more than I would ever expect them to. And it's so hard for me because I'm not like, weirdly enough, I am not like the, the, the super adept 
social media manager guy, you know, where I can, I can split my professional profile from my personal profile, from my Instagram profile, whatever, everything's kind of merged all together. So it's, I, I, to me, it was kind of imperative to, to make sure so that, so that a client base or students or potential students knew where, you know, who, if they're, maybe if they're approaching the correct Tim Heron, because I mean, even if you look on Facebook, there's, there's multiple Tim Herons. Um, I wanted to make sure that they're reaching the correct person. So like, I, I mean, even like on my, my regular personal page, you know, it does say owner, uh, you know, owner or lead instructor of Tim Aaron shooting. Actually, I think right now it actually says president of check your heart. So, which is kind of funny. But, <laughs> but to clarify this, I want to, I want to say there's a difference between branding and being consistent about your branding messaging. Right. And, and there's something not inherently negative about putting within a profile. What is your profession? What do you do? Sure. I'm talking about more like a instructor Bob as their profile name. Like that's the one that kind of jumps out at me. Right. Uh, so don't, please with, don't with, misunderstand. With your NRA basic pistol instructor patch. Yeah. As their, and, as their profile photo. Yeah. And that's, I think, I think how you have to weigh that. Yeah. Is uh, when you're kind of, looking around at that what what is the overall messaging if it's if it's brand related and someone's trying to create brand recognition in the greater market that's one thing that's the brand mm -hmm. now i think it's another thing to be incredibly egocentric about it and in kind of putting the persona in front of the brand uh i, I think that's a different approach um but it's a fine line i get it but um we all know what I'm talking about. We've all seen those profiles, right? It's different. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna go ahead, Riley. I was just gonna say, I mean, Dan, if you got a, if you got something to say, say it, brother. But uh, I was gonna pull a Dan Brady here and say, well, uh, M Memphis Beach is often the last one to go, so I think I want to hear from Memphis now. Unless Dan wants to get his word out first. <laughs> no, nah, man, I dig it. I guess I'll go then. Yeah. So um, what makes a good instructor is, um, oh, man. I remember the first instructor class I've ever been to. It was taught by a kill Kadir and Tiffany Johnson of Citizen Safety Academy. And the acronym for that is CSA for Citizen Safety Academy. And, um, the uh they were teaching nra uh you know range safety officer classes and you know in order for you to teach like one of the main things in the nra is ksa you have to go you gotta have the knowledge the skills and the attitude the thing is when i think about a good instructor i don't think about nra i think about citizen safety academy i think about and i really what i do is i replace the k with the a c because i still want to be like csa so what I think of is competence, skills, and attitude. And if you don't have those, and more importantly, if you don't have the self-awareness to know that you don't have those, then things aren't going to go well for you as an instructor. It really isn't. Um, so 
and then there's there's other things that go into it as well like you know maintaining the dignity of your students um you know and of your clients uh just uh having enough emotional intelligence to understand like what they need uh to be able to read that on their face uh to have the skills to actually convey uh the knowledge that they need in order to grow and to help them reach their goals and you know uh chris and i were talking about it earlier it's not about me the whole thing about instructor on their shirts it's just i don't know i just try to think of it as look it's just not about me it's never been about me and you know back in the marine corps uh dan can relate and my marine corps brothers that are that are watching right now um if you remember the nco creed the very last line of that creed is and their performance shall reflect an image of me that's what it's all about um if you can't do that you're not going to be a good instructor Riley? No, Dan, you. Oh, wow. So <laughs> Riley, Riley's, Riley's dictating the pace now. All right. So you guys have all made awesome points, and it's kind of kind of tough to follow some of that. But what I will say is that if you put, that, like Chris was saying, if you put your ego ahead of almost anything, uh, you're going to fall behind as an instructor. If you can't read the temperature of the room, you're not going to convey the information that those particular set of students need in a way that they can relate to it. If you can't engage with people at a level that they are understanding, you may be putting out excellent information, but if they can't relate to it, if they don't, if it's not relatable to something that they have uh, some level of ownership of already, the amount that they're going to absorb out of your instruction is going to be reduced to whatever extent. So being an excellent communicator is, I would say, probably number one. Uh, the, the knowledge, skills, and attitude is neck and neck number two with the ability to read your audience and connect with them. I, you know, I've been, I've been a cop for a long, long time, and a large portion of that law enforcement career has been training rookies, uh, field training officer. And I have told every cop I've ever trained that 90% of the job is your gift of gab, your ability to talk to anyone about anything at a level that they understand. And if you can do that, you get 90% of the job beat. And I think that being a, a good firearms instructor has a lot of the same thing, but you need to have those active listening skills and the same sort of body language reading that an experienced field cop does to see if you've connected with those people. 
what makes a I think those are the things that make a good instructor. What makes a bad instructor, uh, you know, like like everybody's already covered, that investment of ego, a lack of continuing education. Uh, I think that is a big one. If you have not continued to enlighten yourself uh, or at least remain open to new ideas. Uh, I know we have guys who teach, you know, Tim, Tim, you're on what class 42 of the year, 43 of the year, something like that. That doesn't leave an awful lot of time for you to pursue, uh, you know, classes as right. a student. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I'll finish Friday will be class 43 for the year. So yeah. I try to earmark Plus about, one weekend a month, or I'm sorry, one weekend a year for continuing education. Because unfortunately, that's just, that's the time that I have. Right. But I try. But also, uh, you've, you've, you've also shot several majors uh, in mm -hmm. competition. Um, you know, and I believe, I don't know this to be factual, but I believe your wife would like to see you occasionally. Um, occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> We, we all we all have lives uh so everything has to be a balancing act you have to have um you know th there has to be some give and take with where your priorities lie but if you consider yourself an instructor and you haven't been to some continuing education class or you haven't uh, engaged with some of your peers in some healthy and respectful uh, conversation, debate, um, coming at a uh, a subject from a couple of different angles. If you haven't done that in a couple of years, you're 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 not setting yourself up to be a good instructor. That's my opinion. I could be wrong. I'd like to challenge part of that, if I may. Oh, challenge away, my friend. So I don't necessarily believe the job stops at continuing education because we all, every single person on this panel and many of the folks that are commenting in the, in the comments here have or do continue to take classes. And we all, you know, obviously on the panel as instructors probably see quite a few of our students two, three, four, five, five times. We've probably all shared a lot of the same student pool. So we know, um, we know how many times or how often, you know, like continuing education or continuous education is happening. I don't, and, and we see it. And the reason I say I challenge this is we see this a lot as instructors where we get like the quote unquote professional students, right? The people that come to every single class ever put on that comes to their area and they take a class a month or two classes a month every single time. And that becomes their identity. And I, I think taking too many classes or taking continuing education can be just as detrimental to your growth as not taking enough classes. Um, and we see that all the time. People like instructors that are on the, I collect certificates train, right? You know, they've got a, they've got a trapper keeper full of, uh, you know, of instructor certs or class certs that they've taken claiming 
that they are gaining knowledge or claiming that they are continuing in their education. And unfortunately, I don't think education is not what they're after. Um, no, that's validation. Right. That's, that, I, there's, we, there, I, we all see that. There's, there, I, think, I think to make a good instructor is more about um, having a, 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 a methodology, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a method to follow to logically kind of iron out or litmus test particular techniques, right? Or to dive into uh, the, the pedagogy without necessarily, like with, without just being like, okay, you know, Mikos taught me a, a two-day pistol class, you know, and maybe he strapped the term instructor on top of it. So I can't wait to go take this class. I want to go take this class. Now I've collected this certificate to put in my folder of, of things. So now let me go ahead and go and teach this stuff because behold, I have been enlightened. And I think people expect the class, just like we get students that come to classes for us, expect the class to be the enlightenment, but the enlightenment comes after the education. So like the class itself might spark or might be the catalyst to beginning that journey of like, like trying to get a deeper understanding, but the deeper understanding comes from taking all that, excuse my language, taking all that shit to the range and, and ironing it out yourself. Right. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people that are great instructors that honestly probably have been, I'd say 99% of what their knowledge is or what their knowledge base is, is completely self-taught or self-understood. And that doesn't necessarily make them a bad instructor because they don't, you know, they don't go after and chase after every single certificate or validation, right. Or confirmation of whatever, as much as they're just, they're taking a logical approach to understanding or having a deeper understanding of the things that you are know, like what I tell people or challenge people test and challenge everything. Don't accept anything at face value. Nothing I say, nothing Dan says, nothing Miko says, nothing Riley says, not nobody like take it. And then take it to the range and challenge it. Truly figure out if it's something that works for you or if it doesn't. And I think a good instructor, like I think a really good instructor or coach has a has a great, like a great method of being able to kind of litmus test those things, you know, maybe beyond uh, taking classes. Now, I, I agree with you 100%. I think having a peer review group right? So like we all hold ourselves accountable for each other and we all challenge each other constantly. And I think that's a great thing. That I think is what makes a better instructor more so than just some dude that just immediately gets on a plane or jumps in a car or truck to go to every single class they can to just, you know, at the collection of certificates. Because right. and I've, gone, I've gone to a few instructor certification classes that I'm going to tell you right now, I thought were shitty. Trash. <laughs> and before Chris jumps in here, let me just kind of uh, allow me to retort, if you will. Yeah. Um, and that, that's why I said continuing education, not necessarily classes. And, and you kind of alluded to that with, you know, this this group of six that we have here where mm -hmm. we, we hold each other accountable. And, you know, you continue, Tim, to have this, uh, you know, the litmus test uh, question of, are you sure? And that is a great way to hold uh, each other and ourselves 
accountable, that allows that continuing education to happen uh, with inside, you know, my dry fire wall right back here. And that isn't because I came to Tim's class or I went to Mikos's class, but it's because I have this thing that I'm trying to hammer out, right? Um, you know, when, when, a, when a good blacksmith makes a sword, he doesn't say, look, this is the sword that I have made. He has some testing to show that it is not just a pretty ornament that I can actually cut through some shit. And I think that's kind of, if I'm understanding you correctly, uh, you can get all those materials from all these classes, but if you don't hammer it into something useful to you in your context, uh, you're not doing anything with what you have been handed. I would agree. I also okay. think there's something different between education and passion, right? Um, stole my uh, thunder again. <laughs> what? <laughs> Let Chris talk. Go ahead, Chris. I, I was just going to say, I think we should exchange the word. So if we're talking about like continuing education, I, I think when you're talking about someone that's passionate to Tim's point about this, it's more about the relentless pursuit of development. Um, so whether you I can get to, down with that. Yeah. Whether you choose to pressure test that with your peer group or your community, whether you choose to pursue that by seeking out uh, new methodologies, new new ideas, new things like that. But I, I also agree with Tim, like the the going to classes to validate your ability, you're not going to learn, you're going to prove something, to prove that you're good enough, uh, to mask anything that you're kind of worried about. And this piece of paper now supersedes these insecurities that you're carrying, right? And I, I think that's a big, big, big trap where you know that's where dogma comes from that's where you know just institutional failure in education comes from I, I think it's more about trying to be you know consistently looking to develop your ideas to pressure test them to to find ways to say yes this does or does not work uh, I, I see improvement here. Now I can apply these to the greater public of the people I serve, uh, or at least try conceptually to explain that. I, I think that's something that's inherently problematic, uh, especially in our industry where there, there do seem to be kind of two camps. One, people that believe they, they get a certification and now they have ended. They are there. Uh, that that has its own set of problems. And the other are the people that never figure out a methodology because they're so consistently pursuing an answer without working through how they get to that answer. So yes, like, that, because they're afraid to question things. Right. They take it to face value and it becomes like, well, okay, this is the way Chris Bean taught me how to draw the gun and reload from concealment. And so I'm going to go on, go forth and just teach everybody the exact same thing. Instead of questioning, like, wait, why does that work for me? Or why does a particular aspect of that skill set not work for me? And I, I agree, work, th work themselves through it. So, Chris, I didn't mean to cut you off. There, no, no. Like, Evan, Evan Dare posted a, a question there. It says, I, or not a question really, but a comment. It says, I think a good balance is roughly, at least for me, a major class every three or four months with mastering the skills in the time in between. Okay. Um, 
I can't get down with that because if you're taking a major class every three or four months, basically you're taking a class a quarter. And unfortunately, like I, I truly believe mastering a skill in between there, you're not going to master any skill in three to four months. You're just not. Um, you got to think about like the level of commitment, right? Like both in dry fire and in live fire to truly like iron out or hash out a particular skill or technique or to truly vet it to a, to a level of mastery takes a lot longer than three or four months. Right. Um, in my personal, my personal opinion. And now just like, like Dan says too, I'm, I could be totally off base and I'm sure to maybe many of you, I may be off base and I would love, I would love, you know, some, some retort on that as well. But I like, I'm, Personally, I'm the type of person I can only digest about, and, and that's why I kind of limit my my class taking to about one one class of continuing education of some type. And it's not necessarily always looking to continue educate, right? Like as far as like, oh, I'm going to learn something completely different from somebody. It's as much as sometimes it's, maybe it is to pressure test something that I've been working on, or maybe it's to hear a different way of conveying information that may be different than the way I do. And that's always a good thing too. But if something is brought to my attention in a class that says, Hey Tim, you know, you should try doing this instead of just be, take, taking it and be like, cool, that's part of my, you know, I'm, I'm my instructorship on this. I'm going to take this new skill and wow, that seems to really work in this one instance in this one weekend or this one week long class, man, I can't wait to then just take immediately that knowledge and then just share it to somebody else without truly, truly evaluating it or truly like asking the question that I ask all the time. Are you sure? Right. And that, that question was brought to me by Rob Latham years ago. You know, like every time I thought I had something figured out, like Robbie was always the guy to put me on the back, you know, and have me turn around and be like, are you sure about that? You know, and but the great thing about that question is because it made me want like the passion or the hunger to go out to the range and test it and evaluate it and experiment and explore. That's the biggest thing is exploration. And I think that's the thing that's severely missing that you don't get enough time to do if you're taking 800 hours of classes a year or a thousand like we hear these 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 people kind of brag about this like oh i've taken 1500 hours of classes this year or i've taken 800 hours of class to go along with my thousand hours i took the year before i've got collectively you know blah 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 and it's like okay that's great what did you learn in between what did you flesh out what did you evaluate what did you explore you know what are you truly sure about and what are you absolutely unsure about and are you just teaching this stuff at face value because somebody that might have been from a higher skill level than you exuded that information to you? Or did you did you truly take the time to try to rationalize? Is it is it a method that works for me? Is it a method that I can then instill in students that might work for them? And I think that's the biggest thing that makes a good instructor versus what like well, like kind of versus like what Tyler said, like a parrot, somebody that just takes information and just copycats it, you know? And I, I think, unfortunately, Chris, you hit the nail on the head. That's, that is what's right now is crippling the industry. Sorry, that's my rant. You said rant as if there's just one of them, Tim. Let's oh, I've got lots. <laughs> I've got lots. 
Dude, I'm let's, here for it. Let's I'm listen about to, about the rant about that pen that's in your hand. Let's, let's that's listen to the big guy. That's that's how I practice my triggers. Mm. My bad. My my bad, Tyler. I'm sorry. Riley, you're not getting out of this one clean. That's what I'm saying. I'm just I'm just taking it all in. I'm absorbing all the all the knowledge and wisdom. <laughs> Uh, I am going to respond to uh, what we were kind of just talking about there for a minute and some of your thoughts, Tim. Uh, I think that there's a lot of truth in what you said that, you know, there it could take a lot of time to fully digest and kind of take in information gleaned from a class and put it into practice and test it and evaluate it and practice it. and I guess eventually master it. So I, I think there's a lot of truth there. Um, I don't know if we have to master everything from a class though before we allow ourselves to take on another class. Um, and so I, I think that there's definitely some, I think there's some nuance as to how much someone wants to or feels like they need to train. Uh, I think that we all have to make the, those decisions for, the, for ourselves the best way we, we can. Um, and I, I speak for a little bit from experience because you know, it was probably what at this point, five, six, five or six years ago, when I sort of decided to take a step back from teaching because I had these, you know, kind of, I don't know, come to Jesus moments for myself where I was like, um, I don't feel like I'm teaching what I ought to be teaching. And I don't feel like what I'm teaching is consistent with what I uh, believe to be true either, because it's just sort of in that um, place of parrot, just parroting a curriculum of sorts and not necessarily a bad curriculum, just that that's just what was always done. That's what I knew. And that's, I mean, I just was re-delivering the curriculum again and again and again. And, and yeah, that's how a lot of uh, instructors operate. So I remember taking a step back, I guess probably about six years ago and just saying, you know what, I'm going to focus now on developing myself as an instructor and figuring a lot of this crap out and trying to make sure that what I deliver as a teacher is consistent with my own understanding and how I believe, you know, say shooting is to be done. And so uh, I went on a tear of taking classes. I took, I remember one year in excess of 200 hours. I know that's like small cheese compared to a few people I've seen out there, but that was a lot for me in a year. It was, to, it was like 220 hours or something in one year. And I learned a lot that year. And uh, I, I put a lot of stuff into practice. Um, and sometimes just the nature of, you know, like ideally I would have spaced things out, you know, and had like a nice, you know, good chunk of time in between, but sometimes it doesn't always work that way. You're like, I really want to get with that guy. And I really want to get with that guy but those two classes are two weeks apart, you know? And so like, um, you know, yeah, I went on, I went on Terra and took a lot of training and I learned a lot during that time frame. Um, I also wanted to re respond to a couple other things. You know, we're talking about what makes a, a good or a bad instructor. Uh, I think that one of the things that's helped me tremendously, Tim, you already hit on and I would consider myself a, you know, to some extent, a disciple of the man, the great one, Rob Latham, that I've heard that very question many times as well of, are you sure? Uh, and I found myself 
through this period of personal development and taking courses and really pondering and thinking and diving deep into the, the, the subject, I guess, uh, and constantly asking myself, like, am I sure about what I understand about that? Uh, I remember even, I mean, I talked to a, a number of people, including you, Tim, and others, uh, Chris Bean, even, you know, like, hey, uh, you know, like, let's talk about such and such thing, you know, and you're just kind of like bouncing ideas around because for myself is trying to answer the, that question of, am I sure about this, this piece of knowledge that I think I understand? And I don't think that that process should ever stop. Uh, I still find myself asking that question of myself all the time about things. So I do think that that is a really key thing here. You know, Chris talked about it. Dan talked about it. Tim, you talked about it. Uh, and not just continuing education, but this development, ongoing development of yourself. Um, and I think that that's got to be on multiple fronts. I think it's important that we continually, like, I think it's okay if we get to a, a place where we don't push for our own personal skill development as maybe as much as what we used to, uh, because, you know, we, we, we're all in different places and we got to make, make different priorities. but. Um, but I still think that we should always be continually pushing ourselves, at least to, you know, at least not lose any ground, certainly, but to at least under, uh, under, you know, to continue to push ourselves and our understanding of whatever our chosen discipline is. For me, I primarily focus on teaching shooting, just pure shooting. And so there's not as much on the horizon for me to figure out as what there was five, six years ago. But I know there's still new new knowledge or new things for me to figure out and discover. It's just not going to come as quickly or as frequently, and that's okay. And, and I'm not putting as much effort and attention into that all at, all the time as I, like I was. But where I also need to be putting some attention, and maybe that's where the gears shift a little bit, is I need to be continually developing myself as a teacher, as an instructor, as a coach, right? And, and and I think both of those things are really important. To those, there's, there was a comment, I think it was Eric earlier that said, hey, do you guys ever teach, you know, people have never shot before or new people? Uh, I don't as much as I used to, uh, but I certainly have worked with newer shooters. And I do get the opportunity at uh, training conferences that I teach at each year where I, I usually run into some, some fairly fresh folks. Um, and, and I think that some instructors here in this discussion would go, well, hey, I only teach new people. And like, do I really need to say master this discipline myself as a shooter? Because I'm just, I'm just teaching this stuff down here. Like, do I really need to push myself to a place, to a, to a mastery of this trade, if you will, uh, to a mastery of the understanding of what's involved in shooting because I'm just teaching down here. And I would say, I would encourage you to push yourself to a mastery level of understanding of say shooting or whatever your chosen discipline is even if you're teaching down here. And the reason why is because that provides a context of, I think about when I was teaching a lot of newer shooters and I think I taught them a lot of not so awesome stuff <laughs> that looking back now, it's like, man, if I knew then what I know now, I would take that approach very differently. So, so that they, so I didn't start them down any paths that they were going to have to, recorrect later on 
so that I got them, you know, so I shortcut their, their advancement as much as possible, uh, as soon as possible. Right. Right. And, and so I think it is important. I think it's a mark of a good instructor that they do take a deep dive into their discipline and that they try to master that as best they, as much as they can, because even if you were not teaching at that level, it helps create the context for how to start people off in the right place early on in their journey. And I think that's, that's really key. That was my very first YouTube video talking about that. <clears throat> New people with different perspectives. I think that brings up a really valid point. So what I hear a lot when instructors are coming in and, and it's almost like a diminishing statement, like, well, well, I only teach new shooters or people with no experience. And and that hurts my heart when I hear that, because I, I believe that's probably one of the most important things you could do. Uh, when you get into higher level stuff, it, it's certainly gratifying. It's certainly important, but it's a niche, niche, niche market. Uh, a new shooter and having a quality coach or a quality instructor in that very beginning of their journey paves the way, plants the seeds, however you want to frame it for, you know, a lifelong event of trying to improve themselves if, if they catch the bug or they want to do it. Um, so every time I hear someone like just diminish that, it's oh, it bothers me. And I, and I don't mean in a negative way, but it, it just bothers me because it's it's incredibly important. Uh, I know that's not everyone's preferred market, but the people that are doing that, you're doing a service and, and you should own that. Uh, because really, you may be the only professional instruction that person ever gets. And if we brass tacks what this all means i mean we teach defensive arts but one way or another uh, we teach people how to deal with guns with the potential that they may have to use that gun to defend themselves i would hope from the bottom of my heart that the person that's doing the initial training knows what they're doing if i might step in just for a second i i know i keep talking about you know, Akil Kadir and Tiffany Johnson, but this is a perfect opportunity to uh, to remind us all of their story. Uh, Tiffany Johnson went to her first permit class, her first gun class, as someone that was an advocate for gun control. Like she was looking for reasons to intelligently argue towards gun control. And it just so happened that the closest range to her, she just looked it up on, you know, I guess they had like MapQuest back then. <laughs> but... Um, but it just so happened the closest range to her was range master. And the person that taught her very first permit class was Tom motherflipping Givens. And I mean, now, I mean, dude, Tiffany Johnson is a person that spoke in front of the UN about gun control. All right. Like she's one of the most incredible instructors, like her, her gateway instructors class is changing the industry right now. Is changing the face of the way that we that we think about how we welcome new people into the Second Amendment. And if it wasn't for the way that she was welcomed in, she might have been a force totally. Yeah, I, I don't even want to think about 
the the amount of influence that she would have. I'm just glad she's on our side. That'd be somebody we're fighting. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, it's not just about, you know, the fact that, hey, this is the only instruction that they should have, right? Uh, All of this started off that way. And imagine, you know, where we would have been if that very first, uh, that very first experience would have been negative. Um, It would have been catastrophic. We wouldn't be here. So, so when it comes down to gateway instruction, when it comes down to people that, you know, that are, that have never shot before the people that are coming in for the very first time, we, that's where we need our best instructors. We need all, we need all hands on deck right there because they can leave and they could be our worst enemy. So can I add to that a little bit? Um, I had this in my mind too, as I was speaking earlier and I, we you know, went forever and now I'm going to take up more time, but so be it. I can't help myself on this one. <laughs> I, I feel like, and I saw the comment too. Um, let's see. It was from Catherine. I think, uh, yeah, she said, uh, if you have the passion, the drive to learn more continues through life. If someone doesn't have the passion, I would question why they would be instructing. And, and so what I wanted to say to that and to what you just said, uh, Memphis, as far as like, we want our best instructors where possible to be the, the frontline guys and gals for those, for those new folks coming in. And so often like to, to Catherine's comment about passion and wanting to continually uh, uh, learn and grow throughout life as an instructor, like why, why would you be instructing if that was, if this wasn't like your passion? Well, we have so many instructors that come into this, and they just go like a lot of times, like what you hear, and this was true of me in the very beginning was, well, I'm my local communities or families or group of friends, kind of gun guy or gun gal. And so, um, you know, I'm always talking to people about it. I'm like showing people at the range, you know, how to do this or do that. So I might as well become an instructor. And so you jump into it and you go, well, how do I do that? And of course, what you're going to find, NRA basic pistol instructor course. Okay, cool. Weekend deal. Boom, bam, I'm an instructor now. Look at me. And then away you go. And then like what I find is I've interacted with people online and had conversations with folks is that so often, I mean, a lot of that is well-intentioned and well-meaning. And I understand like that was me at one time too. but we need to reach more of these instructors that are just getting into that. Cause I I've heard the justification of, well, I'm just teaching newbies. So like, why are you telling me I need to like go and do more work? Like I got my, I got my NRA instructor cert. Like, like I'm just teaching the new, the new folks. Right. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. Um, so many people, instructors uh, refuse to quote unquote, earn their stripes. Um, because they don't think they have to, they don't think they need to. And like, you just made the point Memphis of how key that can be, how influential that could be in someone's journey. So like that right there is the answer to that. And the thing that I'd, I'd like more instructors to hear is the, the one, the value of mastering the discipline they've chosen to teach. And number two, one of the ways that that can happen and not just in the discipline of say shooting, but also in the discipline of teaching, is by spending time apprenticing or studying under or assisting other high quality, high caliber instructors 
And that doesn't happen very often. And so um, that's something I would throw out there for the consideration of the, the collective here is, and I don't, and there was some discussion about this at the, at the uh, professional uh, uh, instructors symposium uh, a few weeks ago that I attended uh, about kind of like, you know, how do we, how do we, how do we strengthen this community of instructors more? Um, and, and somebody even mentioned the, the idea of, well, you know, what about more apprenticeship? And everyone, every instructor in there was like, yeah, yeah, you know, well, like, what do we do about that? How do we, how do we reach more of these instructors? How do we help them to see the value and the importance of what you just described, Memphis, of how important it is that our best instructors are the frontline folks? And it's hard too, man. Like I'm teaching new, teaching, teaching gateway students that I've never taught before, uh, that I've never shot before, man, it's hard. It's so hard because so much of the vernacular that we take for granted um, has something is something that they just never heard before. Well, trigger finger straight, pick up the pistol, load the pistol and go to load ready. Uh, how do I load it? I'll insert the magazine to pull back the slide. What's the slide? Really? Okay. Like you keep the muzzle pointed that way. What's a muzzle again? I don't Everything understand. has to be defined. Yes. They don't have the and vocabulary. They just simply don't know because it's their first time. And so it the the quantification of hey, I'm just teaching new guys. No, we need we need our best there. You know what I think of and it's gonna it's not easy, but it's simple. I, I think a good way to to help that so it's so pervasive in our community that that there's no real interaction like instructors act as if they're an island and the community's fractured because of that and i, I think about just our and for everyone that's watching i mean we have a, a relatively close peer group here that that mentorship or who's driving that mentorship changes by the day or the subject Right, because we have a community where we really want to talk through and hash through these ideas. And I think if there could be a little bit of shed of of who's important and, and be accepting of mentorship, uh, that's the first step towards kind of, uh, you know, walking into like a, a position of apprenticeship or shedding your ego enough to say, I can learn something from this person and this person is trying to help me um it, it doesn't happen enough i i wish it happened more and it could i mean we we are in the golden age of collective communication with social media but more often than not social media is weaponized for for one's own interests versus trying to seek out information and say hey maybe i've got the wrong idea about this and there are some people around that could help me or at least play counterpoint to my ideology why yeah. would you not why would you not pursue that i i, I don't it's, get it unfortunately it's like, you're right it's, it's used as it's used as a, as a weapon right to validate my way is better than your way instead of like hey let's collectively figure out a better way it's 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 like there were six people who had an idea of how to cease weaponizing this platform and 
collectively collaborate. <clears throat> like Tim said earlier, there's, you know, we, we, the six of us don't necessarily agree on the best way or even agree completely on how to go about uh, doing, let alone teaching any one specific subject. But the, the thing that I get the most out of this, this particular group, uh, aside from just making fun of Tim, is <laughs> that I, I am forced to really dig into why I believe what I believe and why I think what works, works. I really have to dive several layers down when Tim or Chris or Tyler is asking me to explain my position because I know that they have a very, very deep understanding of the subject matter. So if I can't adequately explain my position, maybe I don't really know what I'm talking about. And I think that that, uh, that accountability, that voluntary accountability uh, to other knowledgeable people is incredibly empowering because if I can explain the way I f think something works to Memphis, even though he thinks something that's diametrically opposed, and at the end of that explanation, Memphis goes, all right, I can dig it. I can see that. I don't necessarily think it's the best way, but I, I see where you're coming from. I understand where you're at with that. Then that gives me that validation of, okay, I explained my position to somebody who's deeply knowledgeable about the subject who disagrees with me. I do indeed understand what I am talking about. And I see Chris do it all the time in these social media spaces of being like, hey, tell me more about why you think that. And frequently the response is, well, come take my class and you'll see. I'm I'm looking for the explanation, man. Just, I mean, we're having a conversation here. Let's, let's dig into it. Let's, I'm not saying I'm right, but I wanna understand where you're coming from. And people just shut that down because one of two things, either they're impatient and don't want to or more likely they can't explain it well enough do you think that works hey come take my class and you'll learn <laughs> like do you think that works from a marketing like maybe i've been doing it wrong for a long time instead of like getting into arguments or debates with people online maybe i just need to be like hey come to my class and you'll figure it out well tell me more about it you're gonna have to come to a class that's because that kind of goes into that whole <laughs> Excuse my friend, but the fuck around and find out chart, you know, I, <laughs> we know how to fly. We could. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, Tim. We had people challenging you to duels earlier today. I'm right. Yeah. That was, that was funny. <sighs> well, I think part of the reason why that works, Dan, I think part of the reason why that works is, uh, you know, uh, we're not, we're not trying to one up each other. We're not trying to like, you know, it's not about me. It's not about like, you know, further in my own career. It's about just understanding more about the process and listening to understand. Like you have a perspective that's very unique and you have a perspective that works. 
And I feel that I find enrichment by learning that, that, that perspective. And that ends up adding to my own process so I can gain more understanding, like learning about others teaches us about ourselves that way. Um, Right. Right. So it's just, it, it feels like it goes along with the scientific method where you form a hypothesis and then you collect data to either prove or disprove that hypothesis. I'm not there to reinforce a, uh, a re a pre-established bias. You know, I'm not there to just prove myself right. If anything, I learn more if I prove myself wrong. Like, how can I find ways that this doesn't work? And cool. so if Dan has the key to that, then I want to hear what he has to say. And, you know, you know, his technological and biological distinctiveness can be added to my own. <laughs> you know, I heard a, I, I heard, I, I can't remember who it was who said it, but Memphis, you, you really, you touched on something pretty important right there is, you know, the, the scientific process of forming a hypothesis and then gathering information around that, that question, right? Uh, science is not an established body of knowledge and science is not something to uh, put in your back pocket as a proof of why you are right. Science is a process by which we incrementally increase our understanding of the world, world around us. And I think if we look at our sphere of the world around us and we engage in this, like Tim likes to say, uh, this exploration of ideas, man, I think that's, I think that's the way to go. And if we could just get more instructors on board with the looking at it that way, uh, I mean, we could really kind of catapult ourselves as a community forward. But it seems like we can't get out of our own way, though. You know, mm-hmm. we keep having like Bob, the instructor up here, like, hey, I just teach new students. Um, I mean, I already I know like... it all. Because the thing is, I'm ex-police and ex-military. Yeah. Yeah. But th- I don't know, because I feel like I feel like they could still be saved. I feel like there's still value there, you know. I just, it takes a lot of emotional intelligence in order for me to, to break through that iceberg, you know? And that's, that's what I run into a lot. Just if, if we're still maintaining the social media thing. So I, I'm a critical thinker and I pursue understanding. So more often than not, when I, I'm querying, it, it's people think it's an attack. Right. And you guys know me well enough. If I'm attacking you, you will absolutely know. <laughs> so it, it's really when I ask a simple question or just trying to, I'm. it's not a gotcha. I, I just want to, what are you thinking so I can understand it? Because maybe I've got it wrong. And if, if I've got it wrong, how else can I correct my thinking without banter with my peer group? And I'm telling you straight up. An NRA basic pistol instructor that got his cert yesterday is my peer group. The same way that the the highest people in this industry are my peer group. I care about what you have to say because your point of view is unique and different than mine. Now, if more people could think like that, instead of trying to be, well, I've got the biggest wheelbarrow to carry around my cojones around. So, you know, everyone should respect me. 
Yeah, you're not Tyler Tharp. Yeah, you're you're already in the club, man. You're already in the club. It doesn't have to be like that. And every time somebody wants to learn or attempts to learn from you, I mean, I see it all the time because you guys have seen it. I'll go into groups and not mention my background or and not that I believe that's important, but specifically frame questions as a newer instructor. And inevitably what happens is I get shit on. And that's telling you about the people you're talking to. If if it's hierarchical in nature, and that's literally where they're leading from, instead of saying, hey, thanks for being motivated to do this. I appreciate it. And maybe, just maybe, I can help you with the experience I've gained. Oh, the world would be such a finer place if that could indeed happen. There's a reason why that happens, though. Like if we rewind the clock, maybe 20 to 30,000 years, um, we were a very tribal society, if you can call it a society. Um, our survival depended on, you know, sticking with the pack. And if you were outcast as an other, then your your very existence is at stake. Now, if you go against the groupthink, you know, that same tribal instinct still applies. Like there have been studies where, you know, when people's beliefs are challenged, they have the same biophysical responses as if they're being physically attacked. And that's where the phrase came from. Like, I feel attacked. Um, the problem, though, is if, if, you, if you look for ways to find, like, if you, look, if you look for ways that you can prove yourself wrong, if you don't think of it as this is my identity and this is just another, I don't know, another step in the process, then... It doesn't really feel like so much of an attack. It just feels like an opportunity to grow. Uh, so. that's, you, you just said something quite beautiful there. But instruction or firearms instruction is a vocation, not an identity. I wish more of us would understand that. Tyler, you've been quiet for a minute. What you got, bud? So I have a, a fun personality flaw that ties into all of this. I grew up in a, an environment where nothing could have, nothing couldn't have been solved with just trying harder and doing better. So anything I do these days, it's I I I place my value on how much effort I put into it, and nine times out of ten, it's every bit of effort I can. Um, now of course, social media, whatever, things like that. I don't put any, I don't put much effort into it. It's like, like a 50% effort level, but like teaching, thinking about things, my performance on the range at matches, um, self-evaluation after teaching a class. It is very much, uh, uh, critical, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Um, I'm critiquing myself <clears throat> because I know I put in a lot of effort and I want to know that that effort was placed correctly. It was received correctly. Uh, people didn't, you know, waste their money with their time or I didn't waste my time doing whatever tasks that I was doing that I just put all my effort into. And any amount of failure is, is compounded because I felt like, well, I just should have tried harder. I, I wasn't, I didn't do it good enough. Well, here's the here's one of the downfalls to that. 
I get very defensive if I have my integrity questioned. And sometimes I take some of those questions as that. And sometimes they are. I mean, we're, we're in a we're in a, a time where people can get away with saying whatever they want to on the Internet without getting punched in the mouth. And uh, I, I, I stole this from Mark Smith. And like if the world if like if if people just got punched in the mouth for saying shitty things more often, maybe people would watch what they say more. Um, but I, I brought this on myself because, you know, years ago I used to put my personality and my effort and time into social media. And I used to talk out of my rear end because I didn't have any experience and knowledge and understanding that I have now. Um, so I'm sure some of that still bleeds over, <clears throat> but I say, I'll say this. Um, I, I love the critical thinking side of things. I'm a big fan of a deeper understanding of just about anything with a just crap ton amount of effort into it. <clears throat> Hell, even um, Tim's got a cool shirt. Says, uh, "Sorry, I don't speak mediocrity," and I love that. I even said it to an employee one time. I don't know, like a year ago or so, and because uh, people that half-ass anything get on my nerves. If you're gonna half-ass it, just don't do it. And I know a minute ago I just said, "Well, I only put like 50 percent of my effort into social media, so that makes me hypocrite, right?" Well, sure. Yeah. But like if it's something that matters and you're there, like your job, you're getting paid a fair, you're getting, you're getting paid a fair wage to be there and to do your job. And you're still half-assing it, man. You're, you're a waste of oxygen in my opinion. No offense, whatever I can think what I get, I, I can think whatever I think, whatever. I think you're a waste of oxygen. Um, put the effort where it matters, obviously. Um, but if you're going to do something, do it. Watch what you say to people on the internet, I guess is uh, another thing. Cause um, a lot of that, a lot of that stuff people are saying comes off way wrong. Chris is, uh, Chris is really good at wording things. Well, actually, you know, all y'all are really good at wording things uh, and, and wording questions in such a way that it doesn't come off as questioning my integrity or anything of that nature. They just, they really want a deeper understanding of what I'm trying to convey. Um, now here's the, <laughs> The double-edged sword of me only putting 50% of my effort into social media whenever I do open it up and, and, and interact on it is that I don't value or put in the time or effort to fully explain sometimes when I say things. So I'll just say umbrella statements and let it be its thing. And if you don't get it, then, oh, well, man, I like I ain't about to spend 10 minutes typing out a thesis for you to understand. Um, I don't know. Yay for personality flaws and all that good stuff. Hey, Tyler. Yo. I love you, man. What did you roll? You want to talk about personality quirks, man. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. Man, this is what this is what the community needs more of, you know? Just freaking people learning each other and just getting together and just, you know, like just just getting what's out on their heart without like posturing or you know or ego or you know like really just all right just kind of just not giving a fuck really i mean just like i'm just what i say to you guys isn't going to affect my reputation you know and it's not really even something that i really give a damn about it's really not um what i care is it's just the thing that I have to remember is that it's not about me. 
And I wish I wish I could put that in a bottle and I could feed it to every instructor on the planet. Because you guys get it. You get it. And the people I hang out with, the people that are watching here, they get it. It's just, I keep hearing horror stories about, you know, like, hey, one of my best friends, one of my best friends in the whole world, um, she, um, she is, uh, she's the, she works at IDPA headquarters. And uh, before she left, she was the chapter president of uh, her, a girl in a gun chapter. And she is a firearms instructor and she does great, right? Well, there was one class where um, it was her very first class, very first class she ever went to as a student. And uh, the instructor told her that, you know, hey, here, here's the gun that we have for you to borrow. It's a Glock 17. Well, her hands are tiny. She's having trouble with it. But the instructor told her, well, if you can't carry a Glock 17, if you can't shoot a Glock 17, then you might as well not be shooting. And just out of out of sheer spite, she was able to accomplish everything that she's accomplished. She was a match director for like 10 years. I think she's still going. And she works at EPA headquarters. Like, it's just, it's amazing. Um, we need a whole lot less of the guy, you know, we need a whole lot fewer gatekeepers and just a whole lot more bridge builders. I think when we find ourselves, so, so social media engagement is a piece of what all of us do, right? It, it is a piece of it. Um, it, as a, <clears throat> Uh, as a business uh, owner or part of a, a, a private business that does this, uh, it's a requirement in today's society that you have some level of social media engagement. Uh, it's, you know, it's what fills class seats. Uh, it's what gets your brand out there, uh, you know, with wearing cool Tim Heron shooting t-shirts. Um, and <laughs> I, I wish you made them more in sizes that fit real humans, Tim, but, um, I'm sorry. I just, I keep you're, on going. I you're not a going. real human size, Dan. <laughs> yes, I am. Me and Mikos and Riley, we're, we're, we're real sized people, right? Friggin' double XL, baby. It's anyway, um, that, that social media engagement, uh, piece that Tyler was saying, um, I, I think more of us when we're going to engage in it, need to put ourselves in the correct frame of mind, right? Uh, and I'm going to relate this to, uh, you know, the the Tim Heron GM get ready, uh, you know, before my stage run, right? It is a process that is meaningful, that makes, it's, it's what makes the GM the GM. If we go into some of our social media engagement and we half-ass it, uh, and we we respond with snark. Uh, we respond to uh, belittle. We respond to build our own ego. Whatever it happens to be, we respond to just be right. Man, we're doing ourselves a big, big disservice, uh, and, and we're we're doing the community a disservice. Uh, I think we need to put on a specific 
I'm going to engage in this hat uh, and and get a little bit more positivity out of the people that we uh, that we interact with. Well, one of the things I admire about the way Tim does it uh, is that <laughs> Tim takes long breaks from social media engagement because he knows that he is aggravated and he's like, I can't, for the lack of a better term, I can't fucking deal with you people right now, so I'm not going to. And I respect that. I do. Um, I think that's why it took him seven podcasts to get on here with us. Um, so I really believe that we need to be a little bit more intentional as a whole, uh, when we interact with our social media counterparts, I'm going to step off my soapbox now. Hey, you know what, before, before I just want to say something, because I, I think that was really valid and I, and I want to like play some counterpoint to what Tyler was saying when he was kind of talking about like his personality quirk or, or potentially kind of being short with people on the internet. And this is in the sake of full transparency. So when we as a group are talking about this topic, we're kind of talking about, well, I, I'm more than happy to talk about what I believe is is going wrong in this industry. And Tyler's retort to that was, and I'm going to paraphrase, but I'm not in the business of disparaging other instructors. So that's that's, I think, the dichotomy of this, what social media does or can do is is those retorts or those conversations can differ wildly from someone's true intent uh, just because of the nature of the communication. So that's that's kind of a big up to, to Tyler because, you know, in the really real world, the dude has an, an ethics barometer that will not uplift himself to kind of pound on somebody else. And I, I think that's that's what we have to own more. Right. And uh, with whatever interaction we have, if if we cannot do that or we feel the need and I myself suffer from this uh, at a certain point, I run out of patience. Right. Um, but maybe that's the time just to walk away, to stop engaging, because it, it serves no one when you get into the one upsmanship. It, it doesn't. It's just a waste of time uh, because they're not going to hear what you have to say. It's you're just going to win. Right. And that's fun. But nobody wins. It, yeah, yeah, valid. No, nobody wins. And it's it's one of those things. I, I see you guys do it all the time where there's like I have those days or those weeks where I'm like, I, I think I've been so absorbed into wanting to help that like I have the best intentions, I think, a lot of times until like you get challenged on so many things so often that then it just like I, I kind of turn into Tyler. I'm like, you know what? Maybe it comes off a little curmudgeon for me, but I I have to disengage. And about the time that I'm like, okay, I have to I have to remove myself from this. I have to unplug. And then like Chris or Memphis or Dan will come in with this like I don't know this dissertation of like intellectual like let's have this discussion with this person. And I'm like, no, don't do it. You know, <laughs> just and uh, there's a part of me and I'm like, I'm I'm it's just, a I, trap. I know. I, <laughs> I don't, I I commend every single person on this panel to have the patience to deal with that when you know, no matter what, like you engage anyway, no matter what, knowing that it's, it's, it's going to go nowhere yet. 
like Dan, especially my God, that man will do it anyway. Like it just like, Oh my God. (laughs) Do you like, do you just like having like the butcher block and just whacking your head against it constantly just (laughs) over and over and over. And with some of the people that you engage with, I'm like, I, I gave up 37 hours ago. And then Dan comes in like fucking Superman. And he's like, let me have a turn at him. And I'm like, Holy shit. I just, I, like yeah, I, I like I hate to say it, but like the more, and maybe it's my flaw, and I'm sure it is. Like the more active I am on other levels, right? Like traveling constantly and teaching and being among, like at week in and week out, being amongst you know ten to fourteen folks every single week. Like sometimes I have reached my fill, and I just I can't. Like I have to disengage, even as interesting as a particular conversation might be, I have to disengage because of the fact that like, I'll burn myself out. And like, I, I know and understand some of those warning signs. So like for me, like where Dan might be like, all right, I'm hungry to get into this, you know, and it's like, you know, let me go. And he's at it. It's great. And Riley, some like Riley, for some reason, I swear to God, it can like finish my sentences or my thoughts. Like there are some times that I I'll engage with somebody until like the challenges like Tyler and I sometimes will get or will receive back so much that I'm just like, you know, I'm not even going to answer. And by the time that I think like, I don't know, three or four hours later, I'm like, yeah, I've noodled on it enough. I think I'm ready to go back and answer this with a calm sense of sense of being. Riley has already gone in there and like, well, let me, you know, and just like the most, I don't know, gentle and congenial way possible or Dan or Memphis. And I'm like, okay, good. Uh, what the guy above me just said. And that's all <laughs> I have to say. I just, and, and thank God I've got, I hate to say it, but I've got, I don't want I hate to say it. I love to say it. Thank God I've got five other kind of saviors to kind of help along the way so that I don't, I don't know, I, I don't jump off the proverbial bridge, you know, of just like, I can't do this anymore. I mean, there's certain days I'm just like, I, I can't, I don't have the patience. And there's other times that like, you guys will ask me like, why are you even engaging with that person? And I'm, I'm the guy going like, what, 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 what do you mean? I, yeah. I, this is what I thought you guys would do. And you're like, no. So it's, I don't know. Dude, I got a laundry list of productive things I could be doing instead of engaging and arguing with someone on the internet where no one wins anyway. And I I tell you right now, I ain't a politician and I ain't a lawyer. So arguing ain't in my list of abilities. So I just ain't going to do it. It just irritates me. And then I'm in a bad mood. And then I like, then I, I I took that time away from doing something that was productive and that irritates me more. I'm like that to hell with the snowball. (laughs) Yeah. So Water. You know, um, <laughs> engaging in <laughs> engaging in uh, social media discussions, debates, whatever. Um, yeah, sometimes it does seem like it's unproductive. Um, I don't know. I want to just say a couple of things and leave it at that. Number one, it's not always about the person we're engaging with, but the other people that are reading along. And I guys, I know you guys know that that's true. I've received those messages and probably most of you, if not all of you have received messages from, from lurkers. They're like, thank you so much for explaining that. I just got a lot out of that. Um, and they were just totally in the background lurking and reading along. And, and I try to answer things uh, with that 
perspective in mind when I'm when I'm engaging with people that might be perceived as difficult. Uh, and the second thing is, is I do my absolute best to make the choice to not let certain things bother me. And that makes life so much easier sometimes. I am that lurker sometimes. Sometimes I need that. Yeah, and I, I put that in our private chat, but something like uh, with stuff like that, like it, it's not about the many, it's about the one. And, and that's a valid point. Like there may be someone reading along that that potentially needed that. And even though you don't reach the person that you're having a difficult conversation with, maybe you'll reach somebody. And, you know, there's there's benefit to that. There's yield. There ain't enough hours in a day for me personally. Oh, so, that, I mean, that, that, but that's just in a, you know, just one individual perspective to sort of answer Tim's question about, you know, why do I do that? Um, uh, Tyler, I'm, I'm the opposite from you, man. I, I got, I got lawyers in my family. Arguing is a, is a, is a family right. Uh, it's, it's, it's what my kitchen table looked like my entire youth is uh, just a continuous ongoing debate over literally everything and you know while i will i'll jump in when you know tim is has had enough 37 hours ago and i'm just gonna yep here i come i'm gonna smash my forehead into this brick wall real real hard and it's 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 not because i think i'm gonna get somewhere with that individual it's because two three days ago uh, I got a couple of friend requests from somebody on the page and I got a message from them saying, Hey, the way you explained that to that absolute buffoon, uh, was really helpful to me. I took a lot out of that and I can't even believe how patient you were with that asshole. It's the, I'm I'm out there to win hearts and minds, not necessarily that guy's heart and mind. Uh, I, you know, it, it, if it's at that point where, uh, you know, Tim is like, ah, just like pulling out what remains of his hair. Uh, there's, I know I'm not getting anywhere with that dude, but there are other people who may not even be commenting who are reading through and they are getting something out of it. I'm there for them because like Mikos loves to say, it's not about me. It's about them. I mean, the other hot take too is, and, and this is just being really open, but man, I used to be that arrogant idiot. I used to be that, you know, new instructor that thought he knew everything and, and treated people poorly. Right. And, if everyone in the community completely disengaged from me, I would have never learned a better way, right? And I, I think that happens to a lot of people when when they're coming up or they're seeking validation. That's that's the frame that they're coming from. Well, I have to prove my worth. And, and in order to prove my worth, I can't possibly be wrong. Um, and that's the tough part. And I, I think most here can probably identify with that at some level um but some people deserve it you know to play counterpoint to that they they deserve a little bit of a correction from time to time but 
you know, I'm, I, I'm glad that, you know, people did not give up on me when, when I was not as understanding or clear on my path. And, um, I don't want to do that to others either, at least not today, right now. I saw a great, uh, comment earlier, I don't know, an hour or two before, uh, we had this call and it's now my favorite insult because it's not really a direct insult. Uh, and the comment went something along the lines of, you know, but on the other hand, it must be really pleasant leading such an unexamined life. And I thought that was just absolutely fantastic. That's one of those where you guys, you have to sit and think, am I offended by that? <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know your word skill has has won the day. You're like, wait, was, was that a slight? <laughs> I don't know if any and of the, you guys are, are, are science fiction fans, uh, but uh, there was a. There was a show on for one season. It was called uh, Firefly. It was a space western for all intents and purposes. Yes. And uh, yes. it was a fan fantastic, fantastic show. Um, and uh, the main character had had one particularly burning insult. And he kind of just was like, you weren't overly burdened with an abundance of school and were you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, man. I used to love that show. I still great, watch that show. Great show. Great show. Oh, dude. But anyway, so where are we at? What's uh, what's the consensus here? Yep, I got to run, guys. Wife just got yeah. on. We're at an hour and a half. Um, 90 minutes of really high quality here. Um, I think there was, there was a possibility of a second topic. Um, we're going to have to save that for another day. What was the topic again? Damn, what was that topic? I'm trying to look for it. Uh, it was it was kind of spurred by something I saw uh, the other day in, in somebody's dry fire. And the, the dry fire video itself looked pretty solid. And some of this individual's comments. Uh, later, it didn't match the live fire uh, of the same sort of thing. You out of here, Tyler? Bye. <laughs> Um, so I want to, I, I kind of wanted to dive into a little bit of the disparity, but what, what causes the disparity between somebody's, uh, perceived dry fire, uh, practice and what their live performances end up looking like. Um, I just kind of wanted to dig into that a little bit with you guys, cause there's a few things. And I know that you guys all know the things that tend to accumulate here, but for a variety of skill levels, what causes that disparity in performance between their dry fire performance, even if they are being honest about what they are doing in their dry fire versus their live fire performance? Man, I really want to hear that discussion too, but we have to be respectful of everybody's time. Agreed. Um, hey, Tim, you're muted. I'm <laughs> So that's a great teaser then for everybody to tune in for the next episode. Yes. Tune in for the next one. Tune in. <laughs> and it's going to be awesome. Talking about dry fire and how much of it should 
oh man, we could just go down that whole entire rabbit hole of dry fire and the relationship between that and live fire. Oh my gosh. And Dude. here's, and all right, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. Uh, for that episode, I am going to dry fire several different things and I will live fire all of the same ones. Mikos, I will send you all of that uh, video footage and uh, all you badasses can sit there and dissect uh, what the dichotomy is there. I'm looking forward to that. Man, that's going to be awesome. Cool. I dig it. Uh, that's one of the great challenges of uh, it's be for a discussion next time, but Charlie Perez, who I know Tim knows and uh, Charlie uh, hosted Tim for a class here in Colorado a couple of years ago. That that's the one the time I first time I trained with Tim was there. Um, Charlie does this thing where he has you dry fire walk through a stage, and then he wants you to basically then live fire and try to you know like if you're doing your walk through realistically or not, like it should be the same time frame as your live fire of that stage. That is way harder to do than you expect. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Capability versus comfortability. Yeah, so that's a great topic. All of that in that realm. <clears throat> All righty. Well, folks, Ooh. we got to wrap it up. Um, I just want to say thanks a bunch for all our guests. We got Dan Brady, we got Christopher Bean, we got Riley Bowman, we got Tim Heron. Finally, Tim Heron. Finally. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yours truly, Memphis Beach. Guys, thanks so much for listening. Really do appreciate it. Tune in for the next one. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>